Hey everybody, welcome to BeautyCast Network's Mastering Beauty, a podcast for beauty, barbering, and wellness professionals looking for successful, sustainable, and satisfying careers. Every Sunday we feature brilliant guests from across the industry offering their best advice on a variety of topics. I'm Gordon Miller, CEO of BeautyCast Network and your usual podcast host, but today we are repurposing one of our very popular weekly webinar programs hosted every Wednesday by BeautyCast Network founder Penny Burns. And we're bringing you um, a very special guest. So that would be Meg Hardy, rock star, beauty pro, and TikToker known as Mermeg Hair, um, to share a great conversation filled with insights on growing a really, truly great career. And um, yeah, I'm excited to share this with you all. So I will be back next week with an all new episode. In the meantime, let's listen in to Penny and Meg. Today, I'm real excited to bring on um, our special guest, and that's Mermeg Hare. So we got Meg Hardy on with us today. So hi, Meg. Hi. It's so cool hearing my new last name. I haven't been introduced with it yet. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here today. Well, congratulations on that new last name. <laughs> Thank you. I know, Meg, you've had a great journey uh, so far and got a lot more to do out there in this great industry. So let's talk a little bit about your journey and and how it's been going and some of the things that you've done. Yeah, of course. So I started hair school almost 10 years ago. This January will be 10 years. I graduated high school early because I was really excited to start my like beauty hairstylist journey. When I started at hair school, I thought that I was going to be a bridal stylist. I was very like obsessed with updos and just like formal styling. And I really enjoyed my time at school. I know that things have gotten so crazy since COVID in school. And like, I just want to say to everybody that is in school watching, like it is such a short blip in your like career. Like I look back on it and it feels like just a couple months of time. Like you can do it, you can get through it and you'll be at it before you know it. But I, I went to Innovata School in my area. I live in Cincinnati, Ohio. And right after I graduated school, I started a, as an assistant at a commission salon in my area. I stayed there for about two and a half years. And I started using social media right away, right when I started at that salon and built my book quickly because of that. It was kind of like right when Instagram started becoming like a business tool for for anybody, but especially like used by a lot of hairstylists. So I feel like very fortunate that I got to kind of start in the first swing of that. I So I stayed there for two and a half years and then I opened up a suite with another stylist. We had two suites at a salon by JC and we knocked the wall down in between the two and had like a little baby salon. And I stayed there for another two and a half years. And then I had the opportunity to open a salon. So my salon, Olive and Ivy, it started off as a six chair booth rental salon. And then the storefront next door to us became available. And two years later, after opening, we knocked down that wall. (laughs) And now we have, I think it's, uh, gosh, I can't even, it's 14 chairs. 
Um, and we are blended commission and booth rental. And I have a training program for who I call baby hair stylists, like people coming right out of school. So right now our salon has three apprentices in that program. And I really spend most of my time working in the salon, just like any other stylist, but I also really enjoy teaching. I do, I did about 13 independent classes this year. I'll travel and teach in other salons. I teach Vivids. And then I also work with a color brand, Danger Jones, that does Vivids. And then an extension company called Drop Dead Hair Extensions. And then I also do social media. So <laughs> that's that's just me. <laughs> so two and a half years. So two and a half years till you became, uh, you're basically independent until you, you know, become a, a business owner. So, you know what, that, that's, that's very fascinating because I, that sounds, you know, that sounds about right. Two and a half, three years or more is, of course, based on the individual. So how did you know when you were ready to go independent? I mean, what, what kind of things did you sort of set up for yourself to know you were ready? So I didn't think that I ever wanted to be independent. I didn't want the extra responsibility of, you know, your taxes and your orders and making sure you have enough money in your bank account at all times to pay for your color, to service those clients. It wasn't something I really wanted for myself, but um, it's not a unique experience that I was in a salon that some people would call like a toxic salon. Um, just an owner that wasn't very um, kind or attentive to the stylist that worked there. So I actually was a part of like a salon walkout and I could not find a salon home that felt right to me after that. And so that's why I opened up a suite. But I'm so glad that I did it. And I have both booth rent and commission in my salon now because I think that there's a place for both things. So two and a half years now, like... I think a lot of the stylists that are brand new in my salon that are commissioned still could be booth rent after six months or so. I think it just kind of depends on the salon home that you start in and how you're nurtured and like how much effort you're putting into building your clientele. Like the two and a half years, I, I'm so glad that it pushed me to do that afterwards because I wouldn't have done all the things that I've done now or have a salon if I didn't do that. But it wasn't necessarily that I felt ready or that I was planning on doing that. <laughs> But you liked working for somebody. I mean, you liked the idea of of not taking on all those other pressures. So so I'm sure I mean, I hate that you had, you know, a, a bad experience there, but I'm sure you learned good and bad things that you learned stuff that you took with you into your business, like how to treat people for a while. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I opened this place because I wanted a like healthy work environment for stylists. Like so many people open salons, like thinking that they're going to get rich and like have all these clients and be able to take 50% commission from all their stylists and not have to work as much, yada, yada, yada. I opened up the salon because I wanted like a safe environment for stylists. Like everything is about the stylist first, not necessarily the customer. So see that experience is what gave you that passion and that that's beautiful. Yeah, that's yeah absolutely. I learned a lot while I was there. <laughs> Let's see that that's what we tell people, you know, when you, you know, whether you have a great experience or not so great experience, that experience is going to lead you to where you need to go to next a lot of times. And, and we just want to make sure you stay in the industry. If you have a bad experience, don't let it take you out of the industry, right? 
Yeah. And I always say, if you can't find that space, that maybe it's your job to create that space for somebody else, like, or for another group of, of people. Like if that's resting on your heart, that you're looking for a place like that, maybe it's on your heart for a reason. That's right. That's right. Well, let's talk about in, uh, being an influencer, because <laughs> when you started the social media thing, did you have any idea that you were going to become um, like this big TikTok star? <laughs> um uh, uh, you know, as successful as you've been on Instagram. Yeah. So my journey with social media has been a, a wild one. I feel like a lot of people like pop up out of nowhere and are like big famous people overnight on like from a couple viral videos. And that's definitely like not what my experience has been. I've been working really hard for a long time. So my, my first ever hair Instagram I had was called Beauty by Meg. And I started it while I was in high school. So like I'd said, I thought I was going to be a bridal stylist. When I was in high school, I started doing like prom and homecoming hair. And I used Instagram even then to like have a portfolio and to like get clients from it. So like I would set up like a little mini salon in my parents' master bathroom and I would have a schedule all day long. And like all my friends from school or other people's schools or like girls that I had met at church, like whoever it was, like every homecoming and prom weekend, I was booked from like 7am until I had to leave to go to the dance myself. And <laughs> that's like kind of how I started on there. So like once I got into a salon and I was, I was still posting my work, but it was like color. I uh, like, I really was using it just as a tool to get clients. And then um, Paul Bryant popped up. So Paul Bryant started it maybe seven years ago. And I was definitely like a little Paul Bryant groupie. Like I was obsessed with the influencers that they like launched that company with. I went to like all the hair shows they were at. I went to their their classes. They did something called Butterfly Circus. I was at all of it. And it just kind of happened organically like that these people ended up becoming my friends. And then like I felt inspired by them. And so I started showing more of myself online and it all just kind of like fell into place as far as Instagram goes. And then TikTok, I started posting on during the pandemic. I um I had just opened my salon since six months prior and we had bought a house a month before and I like knew I needed to still have some form of income during like our shutdowns because I didn't get a break on like my mortgage and my rent for the salon and all that jazz. So I started coloring wigs and I just was like, well, I might as well make some silly videos while I have all these wigs on hand. So like how Siri like will switch wigs out when she does her TikTok videos like I, that's kind of how I started on TikTok. I would use silly sounds and play with my wigs. And then I just started posting more about my life. But I've really grown the most this past year on TikTok. Like, it's still like new to me to be called like an influencer. It feels funny. <laughs> like to have, I don't know, like going to hair shows and such. It's so wild. It's a wild experience. Like having all these friends that I have on the internet and having these experiences or being on something like this, it still really like feels new to me, even though I've been working towards it. <laughs> well, you know, at like Teresa Van Dam, she's like, I, you know, she goes, yeah, I'm an influencer, but I'm a hairstylist, a hairdresser, yeah. you know? Yes. <laughs> and I think that's you too. I mean, you've got such a great business. I mean, that just happened, but, and it's, and I'm sure it's helped your business, but you, you are oh, very yes. passionate. Hairstyle. It is wild. 
like even in our other stylists that m- maybe don't post on TikTok, I would say 90% of the new clients in our salon, like I ask everybody who walks in, if I get a chance to talk to them, like how did they hear about us? And nine out of 10 people will say that it's from TikTok. It's just, it's wild what it can do for your business. Wow. Interesting. Well, let's, you know, let's, let's give, um, you know, there, there's so much positive about social media and, and we've talked about this, but there's also with all those positive comments and all those positive new clients and stuff, it does have a flip side, right? It yeah. Side. So what, let's talk a little bit about that. What, what that's been like, how you've handled that. Cause I know you're, you've got a great uh, personality, you, you know, you're, you're funny and, and all that you seem to sort of, you know, push things off your shoulders and, and not let it, well, put it this way, it doesn't look like it bothers you. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely grown a lot. Something that I've really been working on with myself even before TikTok is like not caring about what other people think. That like other people's thoughts, opinions, comments, they really don't have anything to do with me. And it's really a reflection of themselves. And that's so easy to hear, but like hard to tell your your brain or your heart when your feelings are hurt. And I still have my days where like comments will get to me. But I've really learned how to protect myself, not just with that, but I am so heavy on the um, hidden words on TikTok. This has helped me so much. Like people can say such mean things. And as a plus size person on the internet, and I post a lot about being plus size or like clothes, which is going to be about being plus size just because of the way I look. Um, Comments can be brutal. And I have had times where like, I, you know, I'm very lucky. I don't get mean comments very often, knock on wood. But when I do, it like feels like it's all at once. I'll get hundreds of mean comments on on one video for like a month straight or something. And then I'll be good for like six months and then it will happen again. So the hidden words, I have used that so heavily, like putting as many words as I could possibly think that could possibly hurt my feelings in there. And it has really helped so much. Like, that I cannot say enough how much everybody needs to use hidden words. But then I also, I am really big about mental health. I go to therapy and something that me and my therapist decided was if I'm ever reading a comment and I start to realize that it's a mean comment, you stop reading right there and you block and delete and move on. So you don't even let yourself read the whole thing. Your brain isn't going to ever hear it. And like practicing that has helped me a lot too. But it's not to say that like, it's not a hard thing when it first starts to happen, but you can grow thicker skin for it. Cause I am just sensitive Sally, Miss Crybaby girl. So <laughs> if I can grow some thicker skin, I'm sure anybody else can too. <laughs> well, it's nothing wrong with a good cry. I, I cry, I'm, I'm a cry yes. myself. So yeah. <laughs> Well, you know what? Let's talk about the the power of humor and positivity because I know it's sort of what you're talking about, you know, and 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 you control it, right? You control that that power. And I think sometimes that's where it seems like you have you have learned how to manage that where a lot of people are probably still letting them get it get themselves down, you know, take. So talk a little bit about, you know, how how humor and positivity has really helped you Yeah, like I I definitely think that it's a mindset, like the fake it till you make it is so real when it comes to that. Like, you know, we come into work, you know, every day and we have these clients and we kind of absorb their energy and like learning how to create your own energy for the people around you and for yourself is 
like a learned thing, but it has helped me a lot. Like I try to take time in the morning to like sit with myself and protect my energy for the day so that when I can go into the salon, I'm there for my coworkers and like the salon apprentices and my clients. And then it also protects me a little bit on the internet. Like when I start to get those things, like just delete, laugh about it and move on and like faking it, like acting happy and like acting like, you know, your normal self, like nothing has happened, like nothing happened, nothing's happening. Like, I I don't know how to put it into words necessarily other than that. Like you really just keep you start feeling it. that when you yeah, when think that, go through that practice, it sort of makes yeah. you. Yeah. That's yeah. Funny. I think like I have become so like, I, I'm, this is not unique to me. So many hairstylists feel this way that like I become addicted to, to work because I feel so good when I'm in the salon because of that. Like we all can come in with that feeling, leaving our problems at the door. And this is just like a safe, happy environment for all of us. And like, it's kind of like that on my phone too, with all my little hairstylist buddies on there too. Well, you should feel happy because you are a very talented, um, skilled um, hairstylist. I mean, just what you do with your creative color, all of your extensions. I mean, it's just amazing what you do. I know you now you're you're doing some stuff with Danger Jones, as you mentioned. Yeah. So yeah, I'm very excited to be a part of Danger Jones. Those people have been in my life for a long time now, and I'm like really excited to support them on this new venture that they're on, the Thurstons. Yeah, the Thurstons. They they're awesome, and and they're they're really dedicated to their tribe. You know, that's one, yes. one thing I really. I really love about them is they're, you know, they created this one great product brand and you know what, then they said we can do it again and they have done yeah. it. You know? Yeah. And they, they really care about their people. Like they, I've been in their home and like it, their home is your home when you're with them. And they send me the nicest, longest messages after I spend time with them. Like I cannot imagine how many responsibilities they have and how busy they are and that they still would take time out of their day to like send me a message and thank me at like after spending time with them like during the pandemic they were really great to everybody that was a part of the brand too like i still have a letter from during shutdowns on my fridge so i can see it every day like they're truly genuinely kind people yeah they are well and you know what they see good they know good people when they see them and you know i think i'm sure they are very happy to have you a part of their their clan and and you know they learn as much from you as as you do from them and so did that very great and everybody a part of the brand has been so great yeah i'm really excited about that brand so i know we've talked about some of the things that you've done to like sort of block out the negativity is there anything else you'd like to share with uh our audience today about you know some other best practices um as far as like social media and putting yourself out there like I, I have never like regretted putting myself out there, like any hard time that I've had through social media, whether it was somebody's words or I don't know, just it, you see the hard things that people go through online. I have, I've just never regretted it. And I've never regretted sharing an experience, anything that is hard for me, I know could be beneficial to share my story for somebody else. And that's kind of how I've gotten myself through it. Like anytime something hard has happened, I know that if I share it, it could help somebody else or like talking when I'm talking online about an experience, I'm kind of trying to talk to like baby stylist Meg through that, through that too. Like 
it really can help other people you sharing yourself. And I just think that's why social media is, can be such a beautiful thing. So I hope that that encourages you if, if you are wanting to do this, to put yourself out there and it's worth it to be vulnerable. Well, you know, you're right because, you know, out of maybe one or two negative comments, you're probably going to get 50 or 60 positive. Yes. And so, you know, and that's where we have to really control. We can't let that one or two that's probably not only doing it to you, but doing it to everybody they come in contact yeah. with because that's a, that's their problem. You know, they've got the problem. Nobody with no picture and no videos, no posts at all. They're, it's just some hater that's miserable with their life. Like they don't mean anything to the lives that you've actually impacted or like connected with. So guys, think about that, you know? So when you put yourself out there, I mean, know that that's going to happen because unfortunately there's just some, some, some of those types of people walking around on this earth that, that just get joy out of that. Unfortunately, because they're so miserable, do not let them determine your destiny. I mean, Go and focus on all the positivity that you're going to get out on the other side because you're doing way more good. And you know what? If those two people, if those one or two people got to do that to make themselves feel better, just don't even play into it. And I think that's exactly. Just feel bad for those people. Like I send them love and healing and there's nothing else you can do. (laughs) That's right. That's nothing else you can do. Well, tell me, uh, you know what, you've been out there 10 years, you know, it took you two and a half years to get to your first step into business and then uh, five years into full ownership of a, of a, of a salon that you're actually mentoring other people, which is absolutely fantastic. I think you've got to be one of the best bosses, as they say. I try my best. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you, you, you can tell you really care. But give some great advice to people that are sitting here today that's, you know, looking, um, you know, on their next step. I mean, well, well I want to back up a little bit. You know, a lot of uh, students come into the front door and it's all about maybe one day owning their own business. And sometimes we see, Meg, that they do it before they're ready, right? They they try to take that on before they're financially ready, before they're mentally ready, you know. So, Give some good advice on that and, and you know, when when you, they should know when they're ready to take that step. Yeah, um, I would say that I it didn't it scared me like the idea of like managing people and like being responsible for a space, like being the one that has to handle confrontation in a space, whether it was with um, people that worked in the salon or maybe even customers like that idea was scarier to me than feeling like the salon would fall on its face or that I wouldn't be able to do it like that was scary to me but I knew that I would be able to handle it financially a because um after doing sweet rental um that really really prepared me I think that anybody that wants to own a salon it would be a great idea to have a salon suite first I had an amazing salon suite experience. I I loved the the man that owned our salons by JC. Salons by JC seemed like a great company in the first place. And there's so many great sweet, sweet rental places these days. But doing that, like being responsible for, you know, my $300 of rent a week and for making sure I have all my products stocked at all times, being the one that handled my clients if they weren't happy with something like that all was like the baby step that I needed to or it's not a baby step. That's a big deal to do those things. But it was the step that I needed before opening the salon. Like, I'm very glad that I did that first. And even like 
learning how to do your taxes and stuff by yourself or like with a CPA, like doing all that when I was my only responsibility was very good before stepping into having all the other people under me as a responsibility. Um, But I knew that I was ready when that started to feel easier. It didn't feel like as overwhelming. And I was very booked out. I purposely don't book myself out like this anymore, but I was six months booked out. I, I used to double book where I'd have multiple clients at a time. Like I knew that I had enough clients for me and for somebody else or multiple people. So knowing that I knew that I was okay with going into a salon. So my situation with opening up a salon was I it wasn't very expensive rent. It was less rent than it would than it was in my suite. And I think that that is actually common that storefronts can sometimes be less expensive than a salon suite rental. The money stuff came in with um, we had to completely renovate the whole space. Like the pictures that you see of my salon, my husband did all of it. Like we had no, there were no walls, there was no floor, the ceiling was messed up, there was no plumbing, no electric. So we had to pay for all of that stuff. So my loan payment, which will go away one day, (laughs) is more expensive than my rent. So coming in here, like just with rent, it was less expensive than my salon suite. I knew that I was going to be able to do it. And I felt ready to do something challenging too. Like I'm somebody that like, after I get comfortable, I know it's time for the next step. Like I don't ever want to be fully comfortable. I always want to be doing something that's challenging or hard that makes me either a better stylist, a better person, like a better boss, like whatever that is. I I want to keep pushing myself. So I knew that I was ready, but it's just wild to think. I was 23 when we first opened the salon and like my little sister's 23 now. I cannot imagine her owning a business, like not that she isn't capable, but she just seems so young. And I can't believe that I did that at that age. And you did. So, so back up a little bit. So how many clients, I mean, what kind of clientele did you have when you went into the uh, suite side of the business? So I used to do mostly lived in color and I did a lot of gray root retouches, like what a lot of stylists call bread and butter. Um, I did, I did pretty much everything when I had first gone into the suite. And after I started working with Pulp Riot, because I I worked with them from 2018 to 2021, um, I started like specializing. So I started not accepting new clients unless they were vivids. And so that like naturally kind of changed my, my schedule. So uh, by the time we got into the salon, I would say that I was about 50-50 doing vivids and naturals. And I stopped taking like standalone haircuts and I didn't do weddings. Like I, I very much like specialized once we moved in here. So, you know, your rent was $300 a week going into suite. Um, so how much in your mind did you know that you needed to be really um, in and tickets, you know, in ticket dollars to, to go into that situation from the salon to the suite, from the salon that you was an employee to. Yeah. So I definitely did not have healthy work boundaries while I was, uh, well, I really, the work boundaries are recent within the last two years. I worked all the time and it was never really about making money, but I, you know, moving from my first commission salon to being a suite renter, I had 
I had money troubles. Uh, that was a big change for me. And I don't have like the support from my parents. So I, I had a hard time with money. So because I had that hard time, I worked nonstop. I was working like six, seven days a week, 12 hour days. And I was taking eight, eight guests a day when I would do that. So it's not necessarily that I had like a number in mind that I had to have. I naturally had made good money because I worked so hard. I like, it was never even in my mind to do like, I need this much to get to this point because I, I worked so hard and then hoarded that money because I was scared of ever not having money again. (laughs) So you you had a pretty good clientele, though, that followed you over to the suite. Yeah, I had no problem moving from a salon to my suite. If anything, I had more guests that wanted to come see me once I was in a suite. So if you had a person that you were talking to today and they said, you know what, I'm graduating. Um, um, I've I've just passed my state boards. I'm going to go and open my own salon tomorrow. And you would say to them what? Um, I think that everything's situational. I've I've seen some friends online do that and they have been successful. There's a girl I love, Mad Mac Beauty. She does lashes and vivids, extensions, naturals, and she is booked and busy. And she just she just hit her year mark. I didn't even realize that she was so new out of school because she just is so good. And like I see her schedule, she's very booked. But I think that is like one in a hundred, then that is like a feasible thing. But everybody has different situations. Like maybe you have support from a partner or parents, and maybe that's something that you're able to do because of that. Or maybe you, you've saved a chunk of change to be okay with not having clients or stylists in your salon or whatever for months. Like everybody's different. I never want to say somebody can't do something because I hear can't and then I want to work harder to do it. (laughs) But my advice to people out of school is more surrounding skill. Like I thought that, you know, Guy Tang was big in my my time. He still is big, but he it was like the height of him when I got out of school. I thought that I was Guy Tang coming out of school school. I was like, I watched all his videos online. I can do anything the guy Tang does. And then I had my first day in a salon as an apprentice and I went, oh no, I don't know anything. I don't know what I'm doing at all. (laughs) So my advice to people out of school is to find a mentor or a salon that has a training program, like in some kind of apprenticeship, not because you can't do a salon suite necessarily, but because you need to watch how somebody else has done something. Somebody else has made enough mistakes and has had enough training to give you an easier beginning to your career. Like that, that's all I want to do for the people that come apprentice me. I want to help them make less mistakes than I did and feel like more confident in themselves. Like whenever I teach a class or have a new salon apprentice or whatever, my goal is confidence for them. And that's not something that you can necessarily get in a salon suite. That's amazing. I mean, you know, the reason why I push this a little bit is because, you know, we do lose a lot of people out of the industry that try to take that path. And you know what? I don't want to lose anybody out of the industry. We know we all put a lot of time and and money to get into the industry. And I, I, you know, I want to see people get on good paths that is going to help them sustainable paths that's going to help them, you know, stay in the industry because it breaks my heart when I, you know, run into somebody that, you know, always wanted to do this and they're no longer working it, you know, so I was just saying yesterday that like, I think out of the 24 people in my class at school, there's only three of us still doing hair. Like, it's just, it's so sad that like people can 
lose their passion because of experiences they had in the beginning of their career. Like I still feel like I'm just in the beginning and there's so much room for growth. Like, and I, I hope that people can like hold on and like find different home salon homes that like can help them flourish instead of letting go in the beginning. That, that, you know what? So let's, let's finalize this thing with giving your best advice. Um, what, what is, what is something that you think that's helped you, but can help them? What's the best advice you can give to somebody right now? I think some of the best advice that I ever received, like I, I, I knew that I was working really hard when I came out of school. Like, you know, I was, I was taking a lot of clients. I was asking a lot of questions. I was taking a lot of education. I was posting, but like, I wasn't really, um, getting close to what my goals were. Like, my goals like could have been like, you know, hitting a certain dollar amount on my paychecks or maybe getting recognized by a certain brand or like I've always really wanted to teach, but I wasn't really getting closer to teaching. The best advice that I ever received was like find somebody that you like where they're going with their career or find multiple people and kind of like do what they are doing. Like I, when I heard that advice, I, I bought a camera so that I could take better pictures and I started taking time to make like more content. I downloaded Canva so that I could make pretty price menus and like, just like take, like make my Instagram look more like businessy or like professional in some way. And I got professional pictures taken of myself and I started sharing about myself more when I would post those pictures because that's what the people that I looked up to were doing and things started to move forward for me. Like the nice thing about social media is that stuff isn't a secret. Like it, we, it is all out there. We can see how many times a day somebody posts, like how they edit their videos, how they take their pictures. Like we can see it. It's right in front of us. And like not saying to copy people at all. Like you you can't copy somebody if you tried. You're a different person. And that's also the beautiful joy of that. Like, but when you see somebody doing something you want, like take those steps too. It's right in front of you, like to be able to see what they're doing. To follow the recipe a little bit. You know, that's yeah. really what you're saying is just when you see somebody that is doing great stuff, just follow their recipe a little bit, sort of mimic what they're doing, even in yeah. your, because you're, you're right. We're all individuals. So it's going to be a little different no matter what. Yeah. So I think that is fantastic advice. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Well, Mermag, it has been <laughs> a pleasure. I love, I love Mermag. You got the beautiful Mermag hair. I always, I always yeah. love the color of your hair and <laughs> Thank you. You. you know, I, I love your spirit. I, I, I just love everything you're doing. And, you know, thank you for for your passion for the industry. Thank you for, you know, doing what you're doing with these new babies, as you call them, your your hair baby, baby hair babies, baby stylists, <laughs> baby stylists. Yeah, I love that. So, guys, if you're in the Cincinnati area, you want to make sure that you're checking out Mermaid. What's the name of your salon? My salon's called Olive and Ivy Salon. Yeah, Olive and Ivy. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's beautiful. I love the way it looks inside. So good hats off to your husband. He did a great job. He did a great job. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that was a great investment. So guys, if you want to catch up with um, with Mermeg, um, uh, you can all catch her up on Instagram and then also on TikTok. She's always putting fantastic content out there, sharing her work. And let me tell you, this is one talented 
lady here. She's she what you do with this these vivids is unbelievable. I mean, just unbelievable. Thank you, thank you. I'm so happy to have been here today. This has been great. So a really big thanks to Meg Hardy, aka Mermeg Hair, over on TikTok. Encourage everybody to follow her. And to our very special guest host, Penny Burns, founder of Beautycast Network. If you like what you heard today, I encourage you to leave a rating and or review for the podcast. Hit the subscribe button and best yet, share the episode with a colleague, pay it forward. And all those things help others to find the podcast. Be sure to follow us at Beautycast Network over on Instagram or Beautycast on Facebook. And lastly, this has been the Mastering Beauty podcast from Beautycast Network. Be sure to tune in every Sunday for new episodes. I'm Gordon Miller, and I will be back with an all new episode next time.